Welcome to the More Light Podcast, a podcast exploring family life in real time. Today, Elizabeth and I have a special guest. His name is Seth Haynes. Seth is married and has four boys. Uh, among other things, he is a writer and a photographer. He's also written two books, his first being Coming Clean, A Story of Faith, and his second book, which we get to talk with him through today, is The Book of Waking Up, Experiencing the Divine Love That Reorders a Life. Hey, Seth, thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, we, uh, I, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me as far as a question for you is, has anybody taken you up on your, um, on your offer um, as far as, you know, getting, um, get, getting some books returned? No, no, I have no one has exercised the money back guarantee. Um, which actually kind of makes me feel pretty good. I, I, that means that uh, if you've read the book, um, you've probably gotten something out of it. Because I said, hey, look, if you get this and it's not for you, I'll send you your money back. Um, but there were some caveats in with, <laughs> with that. But none, none, of those, none of those have been exercised. And so thankfully, uh, everyone has, has kept their book and hopefully read it. So essentially, you were obviously being like somewhat... Um, well, what's the word? Facetious? Sarcastic. Sarcastic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is my spiritual gift. So, mm. I, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, 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 I say that. I mean, I guess if somebody actually said, hey, I'd like my money back for the book of waking up, it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> um, and they actually read it and actually examined their lives and actually came away saying, nope, I'm good. Then I, I'd probably send him 10 bucks. <laughs> do you want 10 bucks? I'll send you 10 bucks. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. That's great. Well, that's in saying that, you're essentially claiming, you're making a claim. Uh, hey, uh, everybody struggles with this thing, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, like, there's not one person under the sun who doesn't struggle with what? What, what is it that, like, what is it that um, you're trying to sort of communicate? Yeah, so my um, sort of bold claim is that we're all addicted to something um, so my story, uh, which, which I tell in the book, Waking Up, and I also tell in a previous book, um, you know, I spent a good number of years, um, you know, really drinking away, uh, my life and, and, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't a bum, you know, I wasn't like a, a town wino in the square. Uh, it wasn't that kind of addiction. I was highly functional. I maintained my job. I was a worship leader at a church. Um, but by the same token, I was dealing with a really dark season of my life. And so um, what I did, instead of facing the pain, instead of uh, actually moving into a formative space with God for the pain, is I just drank because that really uh, numbed it away. Um, and as I came out of that season of over drinking, um, and as I finally felt like I sort of conquered that addiction, um, I started realizing that there were all these other things in my life that I was using kind of the same ways, in the same ways that I was using alcohol, which was just to sort of numb uh, myself to check out, to numb the pain. 
Um, and that sort of really made me realize that, yeah, like we really are all addicted to something. We're all drunk on something. Um, for some, it may be alcohol. For others, it may be, you know, um, uh, porn or it may be opioids or it could be, you know, compulsive shopping or uh, eating or puking or starving yourselves or whatever. Um, it could be just like a good Netflix Netflix binge over and over and over again all the time. Um, but we all use these things to check out and numb ourselves uh, yeah. to life. And that's that's kind of my bold claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly, man. And I, here, here's, here's the, what I really appreciate about your book. It's like there are um, so many, many, like there's just so many books, man, about some of the things that you had just mentioned. Like uh, the word addiction is attached to the word like I'm struggling with drugs or I'm struggling with porn. But the reason your book has helped me so much is um, because your book actually goes into like things in the, in the everyday life of an individual. Like yeah. you, like you would say, hey, that those you know there are no big and little. Like you're, like there are. I mean, there are. Like you do the say, severity. Yeah. there what the severity. This the, you the talked se- about. Yeah, yeah. there is severity. Yeah. I, uh, I just really appreciate in your book that you point out and you really do bring to light some of these other things that um, make a valid point for addiction. Um, so, so Seth, we, we have been, um, man, we're, we're, we're just so honored to have you on here talking with us about this book. Um, personally, Elizabeth and I have been very helped by it um, as we have seen in ourselves um, a, a numbing of a numbing of something I love the uh, I love the chapter where you encourage everybody to take a moment to just like um, figure out what is the pain yeah to sort of th- mm-hmm. think yeah. through and like so why are yeah. you why are you you know so, so this is your why coping, you coping mechanism. Right. Yeah. right yeah yeah and I so yeah. appreciate that man yeah, so um, when I was kind of, again, when I was you know, when I stopped drinking, I was kind of coming out of, of this sort of functional dependence. Um, there were just a lot of different, you know, scholars, researchers, writers who, um, like you said, had sort of tackled this topic. And one is a, a writer and a, a researcher and a doctor named Gabor Mate. And Mate works with... Um, extremely uh, hard cases of heroin addiction in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, he tells these stories. The book book that he's written um, is absolutely amazing. And he um, wrote in his book, as he's talking about these hardcore drug addicts, um, that the question for all addicts uh, is not why the addiction instead it's why the pain um and he talks about this sort of like the book the title of the book is in the realm of hungry ghosts and he sort of talks about this hungry ghost that like is insatiable um and as long as you have this like underlying pain in your life you're always going to need something um to really you know fix or to solve that pain so you know, when we think about, you know, the issues of, of pain in particular, um, you know, we, we, we uh, you know, 
could fall in down this line of like, why is there even pain? Like, why did God create the world um, with pain? Uh, why do we use things to solve our pain? Why do we, you know, need things to fix our pain? Um, and again, like there are all these great writers who've written about pain who say, you know, when you when you look at pain, it's it's literally indicating the place that you need God to sort of step in and bring healing. Um, and so when I kind of put those two things together, when I realized, you know, hey, and behind every at you know addict or behind every addiction or dependency, I really prefer the term dependency to addiction. Right. Behind every dependency is this sort of this 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 need to cure pain, and behind every pain is this like sort of tap on the shoulder of hey, this is where you need me. You know, this is God saying this is where you need me. This is where you need me. This is a place that needs to be fixed. Sure. Um, then I began to say. Hmm, maybe we should stop and examine our pain, slow down, you know, stop and examine our dependencies, examine the pain that's driving those dependencies, and then invite God sort of into it um, as, a, as a formative work to sort of pull us into something that, that's a lot more tethered, um, you know, than it is just sort of reactive. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of the, the, the premise behind not only that chapter, but the whole book is like, hey, let's stop and examine the pain. Let's ask why it exists. Let's invite God into it. And then let's bring that pain into community, um, the, the kinds of community that can help us wake up and stay awake. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I, um, <clears throat> I really appreciate you bringing into uh, the, the character uh, John Payne in your book um uh, that little yeah. that little i mean all your chapters are little <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are short so if you if you get the book it's actually really refreshing because they're you know they're not like it's it's not big volumes you don't you don't need a big volume to yeah like you're so helpful because i, I feel like i don't need a big volume on suffering and pain to understand it um by the way and um, yeah but but john Payne. um you know, just your your words are so descriptive, man. Like your yeah. your words are so descriptive. Like, and and helping me understand pain. Um, yeah. But with John Payne, he he was sort of like obviously in a lot of pain, and I loved how you know you ended up persuading me that pain was actually a gift, because yeah. John Payne, uh, you know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he would say things like. You know, well, if, if, if that didn't hurt, what would happen kind of, yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So to that point, John, um, for your listeners, but if it, John Payne, uh, he actually, we just had his memorial service yesterday. He passed um, just a week, two weeks ago. Um, but I had the privilege of spending time with John because I helped co-write his book. Um, and his book is about his journey with ALS. He had ALS. Um, for over 20 years, which is a disease that sort of immobilizes you slowly. A lot of times, I mean, I think the average lifespan with ALS is like two and a half or three years. So most of the time you don't, you don't live very long with it. He was a very rare exception in case. So what it did was it robbed him of his motor function, um, but he was able to still talk and blink and swallow, and so he was able to stay alive. Um, but what it didn't do, even though it robbed him of his motor functions from his neck down, it did not take away his nerves, the feelings of his nerves. And so 
um, because he couldn't move, he would be in a wheelchair or a chair or a bed or whatever, and his nerves would start to tingle and say, hey, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. And he'll tell you, like, if you continue to sit in that way for too long, you get like a bed sore. And a bed sore, infection, you know, to a bed sore for someone with ALS is a death sentence. And so he would always tell his, his caretakers, his helpers, like, you have to move me because I've got to get off this hot spot or else it could turn into an infection. For 20 years, he had to tell these people to do this. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me, like, pain is an indication of where you need tending to. Right. And so for him, pain was an indication that he needed to be moved and adjusted um, so that he wouldn't develop a hot spot, a sore, an infection, and ultimately die. Um, and so he taught me so much about the reason for pain. But what he taught me even more, you know, about the, than the reason for pain was, was really how to deal with pain. You know, he could have spent the last 15 years drunk. And, and frankly, Nobody would blame him, right? Like, I wouldn't blame him if he was a drunk for the last 15 years of ALS. Um, But instead, he had this practice, um, this meditation, and he would close his eyes and he would meditate, and he would think about the most peaceful place that he could be, um, which was this this forest in this lake in Texas where he um, had a lake house for years. And he would imagine sitting there and waiting for Christ to come and sit with him and have these converse, these long meditative conversations in prayer um, and allow God to sort of sit with him and tend to him with him and to him in his pain. And in fact, the last time we were together, it's probably a year and a half ago, um, I dropped by to see him. I happened to be in his hometown. And so I dropped by to see him and he was, uh, we were talking uh, um, and he just said, hold on just a second. And he closed his eyes, and there was just like five minutes of silence. And then he opened his eyes, and he said, I'm good now. I was really hurting. I just needed to, to go to the forest. Um, and it was wow. just like this beautiful reminder, like, this is actually how we're supposed to tend to pain. We're actually supposed to take it in prayer and meditation um, to the only source that can sort of fix that and cure that pain. Um, and that source is not booze or Netflix or shopping or what have you. It's 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 really the divine love that is found mm. in Christ. Mm. Mm. That's so good. That's so helpful, man. Um, wow. That's wow. That's crazy. Um, did you have any questions or thoughts for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was just a beautiful reminder. Again, I was really thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. I think um, for Elizabeth, uh, part of her collision with your book is her own um, story of of health. But um, at some point, she uh, will be writing a blog about um, sort of her her story and health. But um, I didn't know if you wanted to to sort of talk to Seth through like at least your story in his book. Yeah, sure. So um, I have been through a lot of different strange medical things that have happened without going into detail. Um, And so that's led me on a journey of um, finding health because when I eliminated certain things, um, like diet-wise, it helped me and alleviated some of my pain. So I've learned this new discipline of health. which spurred me on to, okay, so I'm a physical being. 
but I'm also spiritual. And so how is my mm-hmm. spiritual health? And then also, how is the health of my mind? And it wasn't great. Um, so mm-hmm. the book was really timely, um, especially to locating where the pain is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, our prayer in more light is that God would shed more light and bring more life. And the book is the book was instrumental, especially in particular last mm-hmm. year. Um, it was really instrumental in helping me see more of Christ and um, mm-hmm. helping me see where I, uh, I yeah, I mean, you, you talked about it earlier where we replace one coping mechanism with another coping mechanism. And it's, um, it's going to be a lifetime of, uh, a lifetime of figuring out where I'm putting my next coping mechanism to numb yeah. life's pains. And, um, yeah, is that what you were getting at? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So. Yeah. So, so you, you were, this is fascinating to me, you were saying that you sort of realized that you're a physical being and a mental being and a spiritual right. being. Um, I don't know about you guys, but in the ways that I grew up, we often didn't really talk that much about the confluence of the physical, spiritual, and mental, no, um, if at all. I mean, it was pretty yeah. much like punch your ticket and get out of hell. Um, so it was all like sort of spiritual, you know, focus. Um, like was this reality new to you or, or like an awakening for you, this idea? Yeah. I think it's been a slow awakening for me personally. I had, um, just in God's kindness, he gave me a mentor that talked about how we are, we're like whole beings and talked about the spiritual, the mental, the physical, and how all of those are intertwined. But I don't think I was ready to hear it when she told me, but I praise God Mm -hmm. that she started when I was, I was about 19. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then just slowly, I just think throughout life, like little baby steps of God revealing how it's kind of like premarital counseling. So like, you can get all the premarital counseling that you want. And then once you're married, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, like, oh, that was really now helpful. I get it. But like, you know, until you like experience it. And so until I actually felt life's pains, because I, I didn't really feel the effects of life's pains. Or yeah. I was in this boat of like, not seeing that I was using coping mechanisms to numb right. life's pains because I didn't understand my own pain. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I think it's been just a really mm. slow awakening. And, um, mm. and it, the reason why Ben said that my health journey goes along with that is because as I pursued uh, my physical health, I started to just, like be able to think more clearly. And as I was able to think more clearly, I, d- I just was able to see more beauty. And mm. as I was able to see more beauty, I could see the contrast of like, oh, why is this not beautiful? Like in my own being and mm-hmm. uh, in my, yeah. And so my sin that came out and my story and the pain that has shaped part of my life. Um, mm. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a slow progression of seeing that yeah. we're physical, spiritual, mental um beans yeah yeah i think a lot depends on where we start the story and i know i know you guys are um talking a lot about spiritual formation so 
I think this will make some sense. I, you know, when I was being brought up, I mean, we really started the story at the fall of Adam and Eve, right? The, the, the moment of sin that enters the world. Um, and, and that's really unfortunate. That's an unfortunate place to start the story. But as a result of that, you know, the, the, the line of the thinking goes a certain way uh, when you think about that. And when you, when you begin to start the story at the spiritual um, then what ends up happening is the only thing you care about, the only remedy for you is the spiritual. Um, uh, and that neglects this whole other part of your body. And so the thing that, that has really changed the way I think about spiritual formation is instead of starting at the fall, starting at creation, right? starting at the moment that God creates the physical world right. and says that it's good. You know, it's, mm-hmm. your body was created to be good. Um, your mental uh, aspect was created as good. Uh, your spiritual connection with God was created as good. So when we start from that place that like that's what God wants for us, God wants good for us. Like His love is for us to be and to walk in and to desire good uh, and goodness. Then that that really helps you look at the world in a very different way like God wants God created me as a whole being he wants me to be whole and and certainly then sin happens and then there are all these repercussions for sin right like you know pain comes uh, because now we have to toil we have to work for children we have to work for you know food for the fields you know all this this uh, uh, you know curse quote unquote is, mm-hmm. is pain mm-hmm. pain comes and disrupts our relationship with God. It disrupts our physical well-being. It disrupts our mental health. I mean, we see that with Cain and Abel very early on. Right? And we also see that as our, uh, we also see that as our kids come into the room and disrupt and disrupt our totally our quiet time. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it just it, it, that's that's the repercussions of, of the fall. But um, but when we start from the place of like all this was created as good and pain. Uh, is an indication of a place of unhealth that should drive us, you know, to examine that place of unhealth and say, okay, how do I get back to good? Um, instead of how do I find the spiritual escape hatch? How do I get back to good? What is it that's going to bring me back to? It was created and it was good. Mm. Uh, my mental health was created and it was good. My physical body was created and it was good and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we really approach the God who wants that for us? And, and, you know, the reality is there are some, uh, this side of the veil, there are some uh, of us who will not experience that in one aspect of our being, you know, some people like John Payne, he got ALS. He was never getting back to good. This side of the veil wasn't happening. Um, Death was truly his out from the physical pain. Mm. Um, But for most of us, um, pain serves as an indication of, okay, uh, where is something wrong in my life that I need to bring to God so that I can get back to good? Yeah. Um, and, and, and here's an example of that. Like just to use a, a really simple example, I had a friend who was uh, struggling with alcohol years ago and his liver started to shut down and he started to hurt really badly. And the doctor said, if you don't stop doing this, drinking, you will die. The pain drove him to the doctor. The doctor said, stop doing this. And if you don't stop doing this, you will die. Well, 
it got his attention. He stopped drinking. He got back to good. Right. And the only way he was able to do that was for him, uh, and this doesn't work for everybody, but for him was to go through AA, recognize the higher power, really connect with the God who could bring healing into his life and get him back to good. And and that's really the core of, of my message is like hmm. the, the, the spiritual quote unquote solution, the escape hatch, the get out of earth and get to heaven uh, card. Um, like a lot of that stuff I get and I, I, you know, from a theological perspective, some of it I can even assent to. Um, but that doesn't go far enough. It needs to go. We need to get back to the place where we understand that God wants flourishing for our physical bodies, our mental health and our spiritual life, spiritual life. Mm. Right. Seth, there is, um, so much we could talk about, um, you could be so helpful with so many things as far as, you know, what is addiction? What is, uh, what, what is, uh, I, I believe you talk a lot in your book about sacrament, like what is sacramentalism? Well, what is all that? How does the brain work? Guys, you need to buy this book and you need to read it because in all, in all this, it's so important for our spiritual health. It's so important to even like the terminology you help have in your book, I feel is helpful. For, for beginners like me who know nothing about yeah. the brain or how the brain works. Well, what I think the book has done really well is it has, it brings you on a journey through it. And um, it's one, it's poetic. So it's very compelling. Mm. It um, reminded me of things that are beautiful. The language, I really appreciated the way that you write. Um, so that journey was really helpful. And the ebb and flow between stories yeah to yeah, talking about like really the psychology nice of it and like your body such a helpful book and then um yeah understanding what pain is and what can trigger your pain that was ex that was one of my favorite chapters like what, mm. what triggers you to anger what is your pain that's a great way to identify i felt like that was the vehicle that helped me discover yeah. What it was that that was a more helpful vehicle for me. I think that's how you write it. Yeah. Book, but that that's definitely that's the one that was helpful to me too. Right. And then sure. just the sheer grace, how the book ends. It, yeah. Yeah. I think you know. I think if you're gonna pick his book up, do it um, and read it. It's not really that difficult to read. He's written it in a way that you can just sort of sit with it one page at a time and be you know full for the day. I actually really appreciate the paraphrases you use, your paraphrases you use in, in, in scripture since a kid. Those are really good. Um, but, you know, if you, as, you, as you move from what is the problem to, you know, obviously the pain is probably talked about pain and addiction. I, I wanted, though, to talk to you for a second about sobriety. Um, yeah. There was a point in your book that really struck me um, when you encounter this character, Heather King. Mm -hmm. um, and... The reason it struck me is because I'm such I'm so drawn to icons, like how you you know she was an iconic figure, and you said mm -hmm. you know there's three things you can do with iconic figures you can burn them down, you can ignore them or something, and then, or you can let that person bring healing, right? Mm -hmm. um, is it important for us to to do these things in community, or you know um, as you know? Yeah, I think 100%. I, I mean, so I'll start with the foundational premise that like most people don't get sober on their own. They just don't. Most people that have any sort of dependency issue, 
don't find healing in sobriety trying to white knuckle through it and there's a reason for that and i think you you know you've touched on this like the brain does what the brain does and resisting the urges of the brain is very difficult like addiction is neuroscience it is your brain saying this hurts please make it stop and Mm. and i write more about that in the book but as a result of that like if you don't have other coping strategies you're going to tend to default back to the coping strategies that your brain knows right and then that's different for everyone so typically speaking if you don't develop different strategies you won't have different outcomes and different strategies are are like almost always developed in community so that's why aa na sa you know that's why um you know uh, celebrate recovery i think is sort of the christian version of that um uh, um, and, and honestly, that's why, like, if you go to a lot of churches around my town, you know, like there's an AA chapter that meets at our Catholic church. There's an AA chapter that meets at our Episcopalian church. Like even the church recognizes like, Hey, we need different strategies. So, so as a preliminary matter, like, I think the truth is just humans need community in order to force change. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, at a sure. d- deeper level, you know, when Christ comes and he shares life with his world and he brings us back to this sort of garden Mm -hmm. reality, or he begins to forge a new garden reality for the people. Um, like he doesn't do that in a vacuum with one or two people, right? He doesn't even do it in a vacuum with 12 people. Um, it may start with 12 people. It may start with a core of three. Um, uh, but, you know, then pretty quickly, we just actually celebrated Pentecost Sunday um, uh, last week, and 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 pretty quickly, right? He uh, sends the Spirit on everyone and begins this thing called the Church, um, and it's that Christian community, that early Christian community, that forges ways um, of of prayer and fasting and holiness um, and discipleship and all of these things that we we now know today. Um, but none of those things were done individually. They were all done in community. We were made to be communal creatures. I mean, even again, go back to the, to the, to the story of Adam and Eve. Um, what a powerful story. Because even though the Adam body was created as good, and the Adam mental state was good, and the Adam spirituality was good, there was still this moment of loneliness. Like, right. people need people and so here comes the created eve and 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 so there's this um deep deep understanding in christianity and judaism um and in every other major world religion frankly um that is you know people need people right um and so you can't do this stuff alone you have to do it in conjunction with community um and that's why you know as as christian people uh, christ gave us the church yeah, that's so good, Seth. Hey, man, um, we got a few more minutes. I don't want to take all your time. Um, you know, thanks for being here with us. This has been so helpful to me and Elizabeth. Um, and, you know, honestly, you're kind of our first, you know, guest. On, well, not first guest. Come on! First, like, author, at least, who's yeah, written a book yeah. onto our clients. No, Fun times. Who, 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 who? This, this oh, Brian. I had Brian Sumner on. He's a professional skateboarder. 
Oh, well, that's kind of awesome. I'm not, I'm not that awesome. You can't skate or anything? <laughs> I can't skate at all. No. No kickflips. Got it. But just to wrap our time up, um, uh, just a few more thoughts I feel would be awesome. Uh, you know, you not only provide us with a problem in the book, you make that very clear. There's a problem. But I think at the end, you really are helpful in, in um, helping us wake. Um, and which, which in your book, you you have used the term or I guess divine attaching yourself to the divine love. Mm -hmm. Um, if you could just in a few, you know, just in the few last minutes we have sort of talk about, um, waking up. Yeah. So my spiritual mentor in this is San Ignatius of Loyola, who is, um, this old Spanish, you know, uh, priest monk and, um, oh yeah, I think I remember reading about that in your book. You wrote that about that in your book, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. And and what Saint Ignatius uh, would say is that we have been created good, and we have been created to love, serve, and reverence God. That's like the crux of waking is when we are awake to loving and serving and reverencing God. Um, you know, Peter says this. You know, be awake, be sober. Um, mm -hmm. Paul says this. Um, when we are awake to the love of God and we're serving and honoring and reverencing the love of God in all things that he's created, then we're truly awake. And, and the other thing that Ignatius says is, though, we tend to take the things that are created and elevate them over the creator, right? We tend to take the good stuff of earth and actually put it above God and, like, use it to try to cure our pain and solve our pain, to solve our pain. And so Ignatius says that uh, true waking um, is to reorder those attachments instead of to be attached to the thing that we love so much that helps us cure the pain. It's to say, I will only use that in as much as it helps me love, serve, and reverence God. So, that's so good, is beer, <clears throat> that's, is that's really beer cool. bad? Not necessarily. It's created. It's a neutral thing. If you use it, though, to cure your pain, then yeah. you're elevating it over the creator. And so what he says is true waking, and this is what I believe, true waking is saying everything that I do, everything that I consume, everything that I purchase, everything that I watch, I only do it to the extent that it helps me love, serve, or reverence God. Mm. And, and I might take it a step further and say like, you know, if it's truly neutral, that might be okay too. So long as you're not using it in the place of God to sort of solve your pain point. Um, and so true waking to me, true inner sobriety to me, uh, means keeping our eyes on the creator over the creating, uh, over the created, um, to attach to the giver instead of the gift. Mm -hmm and to use everything that he's given us in an effort to like know him more. And that's the, the crux mm. of what it means to be fully awake. Mm. Well said. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And, and there's that and more. And if you pick up his book. Yeah. I, I think that, um, if you haven't been persuaded to uh, purchase this we'll book or check it out, we'll gladly buy you a book. We will. We, 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 <laughs> actually, we, we have bought many copies for people and just have been sending them well, to people. Well, if you buy them a book and they don't get anything out of it after reading it with an open mind, then I will give 
you your money back. <laughs> we really appreciate that. We really yeah. appreciate that, yeah. Seth. Thank you for that, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, dude, thanks again for being here with us. Um, like I said, um, we're just so grateful, man, for your book. It's really helped us see Christ, um, and it's really helped us to see how we do that so often, turning creative things and um, making them way too important. And so, yeah, um, yeah, dude, thanks again for, for joining us. Uh, I'll, I'll have your book sort of linked in. I'll, I'll put an attachment on our show notes for our listeners in case they want to, uh, to look into it. Um, and I actually have not, I have not yet read um, your first book. Ah, Coming Clean. Coming clean. Uh, no one, it's, it is one of my favorite books. Um, I love this book. It is so dear and near to my heart. It was actually, it, it actually was uh, awarded some awards, but no one has ever called it the feel good beach read of the summer. So <laughs> I recommend reading it when the fall sets in. It's kind of cold and dreary. Okay. Okay, noted. When it's cold and dreary. I love that. But go ahead and get your copy now. Just earmark it. Say, okay, <laughs> September. Perfect. I'll also have that one in the show notes for you guys. So, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for being here. Um, I think we're going to end it here. If, you, um, yeah, if you're listening and you want to check out um, our ministry, More Light, you can uh, you know, check out our website. We're streaming on Apple and Spotify. You can always go on there and, and check our stuff out. And uh, you can always DM us on the Instagram because everybody's trying to do that nowadays. Well, I not mean, us particularly, <laughs> but everybody's yeah, DMing right. each other. Please yeah, send us a right. message. We'd love, we to, hear love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. That's right. So uh, I think those are all the buttons you can press to be uh, consumed by and, you know, addicted to. Just keep pressing the yes. buttons. Just keep pressing just the keep buttons. Push. Keep liking and DMing. That's no problem. Those little hearts. I'm, like, commending people to, to be addicted to something. Right. To be attached. Well, read the book first. And then, <laughs> and then press yeah. all the buttons. And then, and then be addicted. Or not. 